Hey, welcome back. I'm driving. Don't worry, I got my eyes on the road. But my head is thinking about my school days. Yes, I too went to an institute of higher learning. And now seeing how everything panned out, probably a big waste of time and money. I wasn't really interested in academia. All I cared about was doing comedy or watching comedy shows. So instead of hunkering down and doing my college classes, I would hop on a train and take weird improv classes with an eclectic mix of bizarre adults in New York City. One of these classes was taught by a fresh-faced kid only a few years out of school himself named Paul Shear. I remember in one of his classes, I'd bring a giant cup of coffee because I'd been up all night trying to do a full semester's worth of work so I could do my real work, pretending to be some ludicrous character for three hours. Anyway, Paul's improv group at the time was the real hot ticket in town, and I was always scrounging together a couple bucks so I could go check it out. He went on to find a lot of success as a writer and an actor, and also a podcaster. He's got two terrific podcasts, How Did This Get Made and Unspooled, both which are about movies. So the guy really knows his films. And I'm driving over to his place right now. So if you couldn't tell, I'm pretty damn excited to have him on the show. All right, my AC's on the fritz. I'm going to roll down the window and turn off this mic. Be back in a second with Paul. Paul Shear, we just watched The Toxic Tunnel. Uh, and I'm, I'm disturbed by this movie. Like, truly, this is, in many ways, like, uh, uh, my worst nightmare of something that could possibly well, happen. Yeah, because it starts, you think it's going to be almost like a a kid's romp of these yeah. kids working at this haunted house. And then it, it goes pretty hard into horror territory. First off, I guess, have you ever seen this before? No, I never heard of this movie. Like, I know a couple of the, the, the people in it. I think one of the guys... Yeah. Might have been in that like used cars movie uh, that came out like with Kurt Russell or something. Like I feel like yeah. there's a bunch of people there's a in lot it of that you you've know seen yes. in in other things. So I guess just uh, to, to catch everybody up, you, this is a, a random movie I found. It's from 1981. It's called The Toxic Tunnel. It's produced by Supernova Films. I, I think that's also why it's kind of weird. Supernova Films was like an Italian producer. It's this guy, Antonio Giovino. It's like the canon films yeah. of like, but like clearly there's a moment in the 80s where there's a lot of money. I feel like it was just using like, like like money laundering. And it was like, we make movies and we like pay for our cocaine this way. Because he sort of came and went. Unlike the, like Golan and Globus of canon films, it's very similar where like this guy got his money from shadier sources made a lot of movies and then kind of stopped. But his movies are crazy because they're like, like Cannon, it's it's what he thinks America is like a little bit. Yeah, And so it's a little bit off. But it's weird because he also made these like weird deals where you can't get a lot of these movies. It's like the Heartbreak Kid 
Do you ever hear that story? Like the Heartbreak Kid is this uh, great film with like Charles Grodin, Sybil Shepard, and you can't get it because the producer sold it to a pharmaceutical company and they're like, oh, we're going to get into movies now. And then they're like, oh, we're not going to get into movies. So it's just kind of trapped. And it's an Elaine May movie, but like you yeah. can only get it if you go on eBay and find like old DVDs of it. Stuff like these are these movies are hard to find. The, yeah, you're not going to be able to stream Toxic Tunnel. And I'm sorry. So if you and we are going to be spoiling it unless you're like a trash fucking digger like I am looking for some of this garbage, like you're going to have a hard time finding it. Uh, yeah. But hopefully by the time you actually do find it, you'll forget we we spoiled some of the stuff at the end. <laughs> so the overall storyline is these kids get a job at a seasonal haunted house, kind of like mm-hmm. corn maze type thing. Right. Uh, which, of course, being the 80s, it's near some government facility where they're uh, testing weapons and one of these weapons ends up through a series of circumstances it spraying people at this haunted house. Affecting them. Like they're affected. There's something really interesting about this because this movie, what comes out, you said in like uh, 1981. Yeah, right? it's like right before the fun house, like which came out a couple years later, which is another horror movie set at like a carnival. I was thinking about it too. It's like, this is also a time, like I think in 1980 is when the first Friday the 13th came out where it's like, okay, let's put kids in, I mean, kids in danger. I feel like this is not a rip of that, but it kind of feels like it's, treading on the same territory. It's almost like if like Blue Lagoon and Friday the 13th met. It's like, yeah. what if kids were alone and they have to like fend off? It's like attack the block, the poor man's attack the block 30 yeah. years before attack the block. And, and even, you know, watching Fr- Friday the 13th or something, those are like quote unquote teens, even though they're like right. 25, some of them. They but look like old. These, these like are kids. So kids. it starts this guy, uh, Jason Elman, he plays Danny. He's, um, you might recognize him from uh, the movie oh. Tubin. And uh, oh, Tubin, yes, yes, yes. and so he reteamed, so this reteams him with Clyde Davis, who's the director of Tubin. And that was like that movie from 1980 where they tried to make uh, inner tubing like BMX biking yeah. and make that like, <laughs> the next cool thing. And it, it, it never took off, but it's a pretty fun movie. And I think it did well enough. That was one that I feel like. I had, uh, my parents had HBO when I was a kid. So like, why, like that would be like the one Tubin that I watched. was on I, HBO did, all the time. Cause it had like, a, like, I mean, it had like boobs and that was the yeah. thing. It's like, I, and, but it, my parents would look at it and like, oh, it just looks like a kid. Like it looks like meatballs or something like that. And yeah. then there would be like boobs in it. Like, like just one of the guys or something like that. And it was like, that was my first exposure to like, whoa, this is like a cool, like adult movie, even though it had kids. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I'm sure that got rewound a lot. Like, for some reason, you know, there's, uh, they have to, like, watch people change, of course. And so, yes. like, they, that's part of the competitive world of tubing, which th- doesn't exist. You're getting, you're getting wet. You got to take off that bathing suit. I mean, but there, but I think what you're saying, and I, I just, I, I realize this now with, like, kids and watching this movie, it's like, ki- you don't see kids put in danger, like, little kids. Like, I I, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't even know one of these kids' names. But he looks. I feel like I saw one of these kids on like silver spoons or different strokes. Like one of the like. Okay. They yeah. Are, I think that was uh, Der- the the fat kid pug. Yes. Yes. He, yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. He. Uh. That's Derek Gates. <laughs> you, you know what's fucking crazy? He's fucking Jack now. Really? Is he like super Christian? I, yeah. I think he. I don't. He went like carrot top like route where he's like fucking <laughs> like like veins popping out of his neck. 
huge. Did you ever hear that rumor or that story of that kid who was in the toy who then got into porn? Is that like a true story or is that like an urban myth? Like when I was a kid, it was like, I, no, the kid grew up and he, became, he was in porn. I like those are urban legends. <laughs> I don't ever want to Google these facts because I just want to believe them to be true. I, I Yeah, I just, it, at the very least, I want them to come up as the, the spam at the bottom of a web page. <laughs> like, Have never, you seen like a this picture kid? Of the, yeah. <laughs> Why this kid doesn't work anymore. <laughs> The I, I think, though, like the thing that got me now, if I watch it as a kid, I'd be scared out of my mind that death could come for me because like I think what you were saying yeah. is like Friday the 13th, they seemed older, they felt older. Like they were they were more camp counselors than they were kids. This is like if- This is the kids. These are the kids. This is like if the kids in Meatballs were yeah. being like brutally killed. It's like there are moments in here, like that one, I mean, when they hoist that kid's body up on the flagpole, like- I mean, clearly, it doesn't make any sense why he's waving like that, like his body, because I think he'd be slumped. Yeah. But it's there such wouldn't a- be, and there, yeah, like the wind isn't strong enough to blow a kid's body around like a flag. It's a, it's an effective image. Oh God, and it's like still shooting blood like a geyser. Like, and I just the image of that, like the that whatever a zombie or whatever we are calling these like affected yeah, they're like, killers well, like you can see some of it's kind of like the crazies george romero's crazy yes uh has a similar convention uh, a chemical weapon makes people start like killing and stuff and he in this they're a little bit more mutated it's almost like mm-hmm. it, it veers into humanoids of the deep territory a little bit where that. it's yeah. like this kind of carnival atmosphere but like you know, one thing you can kind of read, and like hats off for Clive Davis for all this kids yeah. stuff, because like we both know, like working with kids is difficult, and they have a shorter period of time that they they can work with. Oh and yeah, like how he was able to like get all this done. I mean, I don't know. It, again, it's a supernova film. Well, twins. So, yeah, there's a lot of twins, and it, like, and that's like the crazy thing because you, I think that you hear of twins being used when they're like babies, right? Because you can't really tell the difference. Mm. But I feel like. And I, I think some of these kids are not, you know, American citizens because they're clearly dumb. Yeah. But it is like, yeah. oh, they're swapping. You can see if you look closely, like you pointed out that one scene where it's like what, the kid's hair is parted slightly different. That that has to be the twin. I don't know if it's like the, the term for stuntmen being women is wigging. Okay. Um, I don't know if there is a similar term for stuntmen posing as little kids. But there's well, a lot of that in this. Movie. I mean, that that's all Return of the Jedi was. I mean, Return of the Jedi. I mean, not that they were real Ewoks, but they were all, uh, you know, they they were taking kids, they were taking little people, they were taking. Paul, you just lost me a lot of listeners, man. Oh no, no, <laughs> all the Ewok truthers. It. I guess what I think is so interesting about it is the movie goes there in this way. First of all, I don't even know where that like. Is this corn? Ma- is it at Halloween? It doesn't seem like it's at Halloween. It's like a a, a year round corn maze. Yeah, they filmed it at that um, wherever that pickle festival is in like Central California. Okay, even though it's supposed to be like Halloween supernatural shit, a lot of it is built on like pickle cutouts and stuff. So like you'll see these like pickles with like a Dracula cape on or some shit. Yeah. It doesn't, or like a zombie mask over it. Now, this is what makes the movie, to me, crazy. And I will think about, because you must go to all the, um, LA is very big on Halloween and they have yeah, a lot of- very like, much. Uh, mazes and like Universal. I do it all. Yeah. I do the, the Universal Horror Nights and the, yeah, the Haunted Hayrides, all that sort of and stuff. And there's a pretty fun sequence in this 
where and it kind of plays into the story. It's a little bit like Jaws, where they don't want to cancel the the fuck the thing because nobody knows if like something's happening or not right away. Well, the core maze brings it. I mean, like so much money to this town, but again, like you're saying, it's like like everyone comes from different. Like like oh, Alhambra comes here for their corn maze, and and yeah. San Diego comes. Like everyone is traveling for like a great corn maze, which seems like like so so yeah. So the corn maze, like we could talk about it a little bit. It's um. It's run by, and he does a pretty good job acting. Um, uh, his name's Jesse Randolph. He plays Big yes. Ben. Uh-huh. He's this kind of big, older farmer guy, kind of like good old boy, which doesn't yes. really make sense in this town. Like, where the fuck like, where he it, came it's from. clearly, like, Southern. It feels very smoky in the bandit, like, the way that, like, Jackie Gleason. It's like, okay, I get that, because that's, like, the South. But here, it's like. Are we in the South? Like, why is he so Southern? He's wearing that like bolo tie. Yeah, he's got a bolo tie. He's like, we got plates all the way from Nevada this year. Like, it's a big fucking deal. And he hires this guy who's like a down on his luck deputy. Oh, and, my gosh. Uh, and this guy's fucking story is crazy. Uh, deputy Garson. And um, this is uh, Burt McCullough. He's there to provide security. He's kind of the joke of the town because he's a laughing stock. He is like the prototype of Dewey from like Scream, like that kind of idea. But like yeah. it's like Dewey meets Barney Fife. It is this guy who is roundly hated by everyone like and picked on, which even makes me go like, how do they even hire him? Because it seems like even in the police force, he is not respected at all like he like he should not have a gun he doesn't seem adept at a gun the only time he pulls out that gun he feels like he's never even touched a gun so they and and it's crazy because like the actor himself is a decorated combat veteran what like i did some slight research and that's one of the main things you find that guy served in both world war ii and korea no wait so you're telling me (laughs) wait you're telling me that this this is like like Daniel Day-Lewis level acting here. Like this guy, because I mean, you watch this thing and it feels like, I mean, if you told me like, oh, this guy was like originally in like the original Second City and like all those guys went on SNL and this is like one of those side guy, like like, he feels like a, like, you know, like, oh, that's like Joe Flaherty or like, I I wouldn't, so he doesn't even have a comedy background? Yeah, he seems like a day player in like Strange Brew or something. Yes, yes, exactly. this must be, this is a friend of Dan Aykroyd. No, this guy is like, I mean, it's a little bit like Audie Murphy, I guess, who's this tiny guy who killed 500 people. It's this super goofball who was so good in combat, he like had to go back because he like, had, like it was too in his head and shit. Oh and then he came God. to California and I guess he, he started acting and he did roles like this. So he goes to Big Ben. He's like, hey, there's a dead, like these kids are saying there's like some people are getting killed. And Big Ben's like, oh, yeah, people get scared. It's a horror night. And that is like, that, like when I go to these things, it's like, what if something did, like nobody would find a body around here in a long time. I think about this all the time. I've always said that I feel like Universal Horror Nights should position it by saying, at one point during our season, one person will be killed inside the park. We won't tell you when it happens, so you don't know. It could go on day yeah. one. It could go on day, but so you are living with a fear over you that you might be that one person. But this guy, like, he's like, well, if they die, they die. Better for business. Yeah. Like, at least the mayor yeah. in Jaws, like, the mayor in Jaws is like, he's trying to cover he it up. He has commerce. Yeah. Here, he's like, 
This guy has no respect for human life. He's like, da-da-da. I guess maybe they're trying to go for that monster truck mentality or something like, yeah, sex sales, blood, like murder is page one. So he's like a little too into it. Well, that's 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 why I think the ending mix is more fucked up because when he shoots that kid, like he shoots a kid and... So, so, so just so we're, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves as a spoiler. When shit finally hits the fan and like, of course, Big Ben carries a fucking gun like because he's like this like yeah. fat cowboy and like the military wants their shit back and they got the place surrounded and stuff, which again, hats off to this director for getting those Jeeps and shit. I don't know how they pulled that off, but I have no idea. Like, like you clearly that like I feel like that was like a militia that they got like I wherever I or I guess no it was shot here so I don't even know I don't like it just it is weird yeah I mean hey they're malicious here like you get some fucking crazy like military nut who's like yeah for fucking 40 bucks a day you can have my tank I, I mean I'll go it must have been some shady deal like that so so yeah Big Ben like the military's coming down and they're killing all these uh mutant men uh or mutant park goers because that's kind of one of the fun ironic things where it's like the park goers are the killers, and then the kids that work there who are in the, like, fucking zombie makeup and yeah. shit, they're the ones getting killed. Which is how they blend in, and that's kind of fun, because I guess zombie recognized zombie, I mean, which is something I never really understood, like, why zombies don't have more fighting, but... Well, either way, fucking Ben shoots one of these kids. Well, he shoots this kid... Yeah. And, who and, is and, not and, as... Who, by the way, is a human kid. It, it's a jump scare moment where he's nervous, he's walking around the thing... The kid like is trying to get him for help, and he just fires into him, and the and the only response is he just kicks some dirt over him, and he goes, "No one will know, no one will know," like or whatever. Like he, like it's like he he is so fine with killing a kid at point. Yeah. Like there's not a moment of hesitation. He's like, well, keep on going. Like he now, is brutal. So I know what you're thinking. They're only doing this. Because they want you to hate this carny guy. Yeah. So when he gets killed later, will be will, it will be a release and we'll be happy about it. He survives. He survives. And you said that there's a sequel to this where he is the star. Yeah. And they try to like reframe it. Um, it's a full new creative team, but they try to reframe it as though he's like a, a Van Helsing going after these the most inept oh my god yeah and like even though it doesn't work if anything you get the the fucking deputy i mean he dies at the end so like you can't bring him back but like i don't know weirder fucking things have happened by the way my performance in piranha three double d it looked like my character died i came back in the sequel you can make it work you can get these things going people uh i don't think anyone's watching the text that closely in this one no there's a whole story once the credits roll and and anything can happen I just want to get back to the idea, too, that this is this fog, whatever is leaked out of this, like, place. It was supposed to be fog. That's how it happened. Like, they have fog machines at this horror thing. Uh, there's a pothole next to, like, the, the entrance to the thing, uh, to the, the park. And this this army truck goes over the pothole. And the this canister comes out. And then the carny truck goes over the pothole. A fucking canister comes out of that. And it's to load the smoke machine. So they put the stuff from the the army base in the smoke machine. So inside the haunted house, they're just fucking puffing out this toxic dust. So people are going in human, coming out mutant. 
and then they start like digging into people. And the whole idea too is like the way I guess the way it it makes you like it, it makes you appear like you're drunk. That's why no one catches on at first. Like yeah. they come out, like they look like they just like kind of hooked up or like ah, they're laughing and, and it's like and then that like laugh turns into the like, ah, 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 and, and and it's like it clearly like nothing. It's just people acting. But then they 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 punch in and like you get a good shot of the face and it's a little bit like Jekyll and Hyde. They they kind of must put some bubbly shit in the brow, so they become a little bit more cavemen almost. But they reuse that oh so yeah. many times. They use reuse either the same shot or like I convinced they just shot. They did another take with lipstick on just to, for the like the women. Right. Yes. The and it's just like the same like, actor and the same guy, the same lighting. It's always so. It's always such a tight close up when that happens. It's like. Okay, they got like they're like we'll just every time we'll be a tight tight close up and then we'll just pull back and you'll reveal the yeah. the the makeup or whatever it is. And, and, and the like, director, and it, and it, uh, yeah, the, the director loved it. Uh, uh, Davis, you know his follow up movie that killed his career. He got caught up in the eighties caveman uh, trend of like Clan of the Cave Bear and Quest oh, for Fire. God, yes, and, like yes. he made he made that movie, uh, My Brother's Cave, the caveman trying to find who killed his brother. And it was like sort of like a caveman detective. It, but it's like, but it, I mean, it's so funny. Those movies are so weird. Like the the way that, like, that, I remember this so clearly because I got invited over to this girl's house. I think I was like sixth or seventh grade or whatever. And she wanted to watch that, that movie. It was like her parents' movie or whatever. And it had like, I remember it came in like a big, like a uh, clamshell box, you know, and it it seemed, it seemed like adult or whatever. And it's so like if you rewatch that movie, it's so stupid because he go like he doesn't have like um a pad to write his stuff down on. So he's like doing like cave paint like not cave paintings, but like writing yeah. on the cave walls, like his yeah. like his like that's his he's thing. Supposed to have, and like profound inter- moments like staring at these cave paintings, like figuring out all the stuff. But yeah, and, like, like who he the real speaks, killer is. He speaks like uh. Uh, uh, but his monologues are like perfectly well thought out. So like we're in this, you know, beautiful, like a, just this very articulate person. But, uh, uh, I mean that you should do that on this show. I want to come back if you do that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it. I mean, I've been looking for that forever because that is like the, the cast rebelled because he did Tubin and then he did Toxic Tunnel, both of which like clearly he started developing this like problem with kids during this and i don't i mean it must have been a challenge and then he was like yeah forget the kitty shit i'm gonna do this like hardcore serious film and he makes the whole cast do method caveman oh, stuff it's, it's like like, I would, like when they send people to like actors were doing like movies like platoon and shit like that like they would go to these like army camps like he like and that that who i don't know if he's like a french mime or whatever like this movement teacher that they bring him to is actually so he hired I, you know, this a famous clown uh like i think his name's jean pierre oh okay I, I thought it was the same one from that hillary clinton documentary where she goes to france to learn miming like because it's like i I've, or maybe i'm no maybe it I, is the guy who taught that guy oh my god that's so crazy okay i love this yeah, so, yeah they, they basically like create their own thing because he had heard that like stanley kubrick had done that for like yeah. 2001 you know and he was like oh i'm gonna do my own thing but that guy's a kind of a lunatic too so it does look like yeah. performative art it's like these oh yeah yeah, yeah. And I he mean, bit, these, so he bit off more than he could chew with my brother's cave which again i will find and if anybody has any leads please hit me up it, because like i've been looking for that for oh, years so good you gotta like get, you gotta get that clamshell box wait, wait so talk, talk to me about 
What was your thought on the first kill? Because the movie takes a while to get going. Like, I don't even, like, you're, you're a slow burn. Yeah, I mean, this was, like, fucked up. Like, it's kind of, like, super fun. Like, you you get to see this kid get hired and placed in a different place. Like, so you're, you, uh, it lulls you into. I thought it was, like, a teenage, uh, like, uh, like a teen sex comedy or something like that. When you said meatballs, I was like, yeah, this is kind of like meatballs. And even the deputy is kind of like this goofy, like a too old poor man's Bill Murray at times. Yeah. And you're like, oh, is he going to be teaching these kids what's special about friendship or some shit? I, and I'm I'm kind of on board with it because it's sort of like, I knew just from what you were telling me before we watched it, like it's going to be like in the, the title, of course, like Territone, but like, it, I think this is like probably the problem with this director is like, I don't know if he knows what he wants to make. Cause clearly like there's this like push pull of like, I think he's actually pretty good at doing those comedy moments. Like the opening is like, it's fun. It feels light. The music is good. And then it just, when it turns, when I, when I knew the title, but when that kid comes out, the kid is Scott and he's like, he's supposed to be, you, you set him up as you think he's almost going to be like the, preppy shitty kid who's yes. like an asshole this dude he didn't do much his name is Burt hammond um he plays scott and he's could be like he could be like william zabka and like karate kid like that like yeah like, i feel like he, he's like oh that guy fucking took my part yeah yeah he probably zabka drives him crazy and the fact that Zabka's still working like crazy and I, like, can't find jack shit about this guy. It probably is. He's having a tough go oh at it. God. He's, like, also with the the sort of shitty girl, uh, Janice. By the way, her accent is so, like, you could never have that kind of an accent in a movie now unless it was, like, a Margot Robbie character. Because it's, like, it's so, like, New Jersey. Again, a thing that doesn't make sense. You got the Southern cop. You got right. this. It's like, we have this Southern sheriff, almost, a, a cowboy and this Margot Robbie in Babylon, yeah, huge choice. But it's not a choice. I think. I think that has to be her. her that's her voice, right? I think, or maybe I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. It, I, the only other thing I've seen her in, and she does also have that voice, is the. Um, she's in that high school. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that yes, urban it's, uh, high school drama, street school, street school two. School's back in session. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. She's in Street School too. That's I. I get the two of them mixed yeah. up because they're almost the. They're. Same. I mean, they're pretty. I mean, no, nah, they're very. I mean, look. All right. Well, I'm a. I'm a street. A street school aficionado. I don't want to you know, come down on you. I mean, she's very good in that. Okay. There's differences. Yeah. I'm not. Don't come down on me for. Or like, I'm fucking never going to hear it on the in the <laughs> comments on this one. But yeah, she plays a Karen basically, and she has yes. her whole life, including this movie, and she's like a teenager, maybe. I mean, she's on Cameo, I think. Or I feel like I saw like somebody posting a Cameo of her where she's at a convention, you know, where she's like, well, actually, Good. you know. That it's makes the, me the, happy. Yeah, she's like, you know, in Toxic Tunnel, you know, the actual, you know, she, that's how I know her. It's her voice. It's like, she's telling you like why the government would have like just gas. Like, because that's the other thing. So the government has just like, vats of this like fog-like gas or like it, it doesn't that they're keeping in trucks yeah it's just like, it, like where is it going to and you do get a couple good anti-communists we're gonna get yes. those commie sons of bitches let them rush let them russians figure it out themselves you know like that idea like they're gonna like but like that they're going to like I guess make all of Russia into zombies. I, I, yeah, they're going to like leak this gas over Moscow and let their true colors show. And then like we do get this sort of like cigar chomping general who wants to just gun I, down the whole park, and they surround the park again with like whatever this 
off the grid militia does that like gave the set these weapons they look pretty good i mean they look really good and i mean this is a time too where it's like i guarantee you from what you told me like i mean this guy because he had his accident too you know like they're using real guns i mean they're not like no one like got killed but like it feels to me like no one was like putting blanks in there. They're just like, there is no, there is zero safety protocol on this movie. Cause when they blow up that pickle, there's something about it that looks, and I said this to you when we were watching it, like it's unimpressive because like when a bullet kind of shoots through something, it's not like as bombastic as you might see in a movie where it's like, brah, 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 you know, it's like, like it just looks like a sharpshooter shooting bullets into that pickle and it's clean. It's shocking, but it's clean. For example, like there's, uh, if you're doing some war drama, you're going to have a guy step on a uh, yes, a piston that like shoots him, like throws him into the air. They didn't go through that. There's no accoutrements no. on anything. It's just like, hey, we shoot this. We're just going to shoot it. That'll be the cheapest way to do it, right? So it doesn't look dramatic, but it does make you think of like, are they just shooting stuff around little kids? It makes me freaked out because it's, again, just, again, you would never put kids in this kind of danger. And again, like, what did we say? The, uh, the kill count is what we were figuring. We, I, I thought it was, here, what did I write down? Eight. Eight kids we, are killed. Eight. And I just saw uh, yeah. Megan, that movie, uh, that, 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 and they do right. kill a kid in that. And yeah, I was so like, I oh did. my God, like, if they don't ever do that, but to do it eight times eight times mm-hmm. to see these kids like just and that's not even that all the kills that's just the yeah. kid kill oh yeah there's like 40 i mean probably uh, like all in all and jimmy definitely isn't dead but he lost his leg i mean so i don't know if that counts you know but that's a brutal moment too and then you get bit by one of these mutants do you become a mutant like i i i'm confused the logic because some did yeah, because some seem is, is kind of contagious some of the time. This reminds me of like Bugsy Malone. Like Bugsy Malone was like a 1940s like gangster movie, but it was like all with kids. It was like Scott Bayo and Jodie Foster, and they would okay. shoot high guns. But here it is just it, it, it real guns. Well, when that kid loses his leg and he's just like crawling on the ground, like and the tears are running down, it's like. I think that's good acting. I mean, it was like, it's, as a dad now, it's hard. Is it acting, though? Like, what we know about him from uh, My Brother's Cave, it's like, what the fuck did he have these kids going for? Oh, I mean, like, if, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, you you can read a lot about what they do to adults, but you're never going to read how, like, they get kids to do this stuff. It's like, you see Steven Spielberg on on E.T., and you see him, like, kind of pushing buttons to get the tears and stuff. I, I... I, I think that, like, God knows what was going on there. I mean, it it also is, you know, just how much of how fucked up is it for kids to crawl over? I mean, that kid, who his leg is just gone. And he's crawling over the bodies of the other kids. He's like the lone survivor. It's like, even just that imagery of a kid, like, would you let your kid, like, crawl over the bodies of, like, other bodies? I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a grotesque image. Yeah, I was trying to find any kind of, like, did they, like, who was on set? Who was the, like, who was the, the oh, guardian no, yeah. of these people that allowed them to do this stuff? Uh, Paul, what did you think of the score? It's a Peter Stossman score. Love Stossman. I have an album. I have a Stossman album from, uh, what is it? It is uh, Light, was it Lighting, Light Show? Or it's it's that one that he did with, um, 
not James Colburn, but uh, he looks. Uh, but it's like it's like it's that one where it is about that like that uh, the fire. It's a drama one, the one with like the, about the okay. fireworks family. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's like, and his whole thing is like, I want to die in in put me in the fireworks, whatever. Yeah. That is. The score, you're right, is worth having on vinyl because it's like he is to me. I think like John Williams level. Like it's it is a catch. It's like it's catchy. Those themes have like mm-hmm. a. A drive, and this one has it too. It's like it's like mm. you can't find it. I don't think a lot. And of he these can do, that. yeah, he can do every like. Honestly, like I think he did um, maybe one of the most underrated Christmas albums. Uh, yes, I have yes. Ever, the, the, he's he did a very Canadian Christmas, and, and I got that on Napster back in the day because I could was looking for it. I could never find it because it's like I, you know, and that was I remember that was like one of the first. Things. That was like what, like yes, when early internet, you were like, great, I can finally get yes. this shit you cannot find. I love that. Um, before like a lot of things got locked up or swept up, but that that's that was a good use of Napster. Like, and it was. Because I think what's so funny about it is it's so polite, like the way that they yeah. like that that song about like how you have to leave the door open for Santa because it would be rude to make him come down your chimney or whatever yeah. that was. I don't know if that's it's, actually true. Very Canadian Christmas was like this um, sassy uh, city teen. She was like uh, from New York or Chicago. I can't yeah. remember which. And she and her parents break up. And she has to go live with her dad in Canada, like rural Canada for Christmas. And she's miserable. And the town has to kind of like warm her heart through their their kindness and stuff. And song, of course. I mean, by the way, uh, great. If that was out now, I, I feel like we're going to see that as like a Netflix reboot, like next Christmas. It's like you're going to get the whole oh, 100%. I mean, that, like Canadian Christmas. It works in all the, it works on every level. Uh, but the score, you're right. Like he is one of those like underrated just workmen could do instrumental, could do lyrical things. Uh, I'm I am a fan, and you should try to find uh, his stuff because you can find even like just tracks uh, in that sense that like you can uh, you like you, maybe on YouTube or something. You dig deep, you can find like just because it's not full albums. These are these are movies that didn't even have albums, really. Yeah, and a lot of times the score wasn't released. It's mostly fans who go through and just kind of scrub out the dialogue from movies and you can get the the music in there. Uh, we haven't talked about, like, there's there's a couple good monologues. I, I don't know. Yes. Danny kind of talks about why he's always wanted to work at a haunted house. Oh, my God. I mean, there God. was sort of a funny moment when they're early on, before it becomes like a full-blown horror movie. Scare means that you care. <laughs> that whole idea that like, he's like, that like, that yeah. is like the way that his parents got together was his dad was working at a haunted house and then, scared his mom because you know she'd never been in a haunted house so whatever it was but he was like because when you scare you care i was like i love i i just love that that's like the way that you show love is by scaring yeah. the shit out of somebody. so danny's mom it died sadly so like he's very invested in their relationship and like what his parents old relationship was and how they got together so like through scaring he feels connected to his family and like, this is like his family business. And then they give him kind of the shittiest. Right. He's not scaring anybody. No, he give, they give him a fucking, like, flashlight, and he's just kind of, like, moving people this, along. He's a person that literally, like, when you get too scared, you're like, keep on going, keep on going. Like, that's yeah. all his job is, which is also, like, <laughs> I mean, I he like that we're there seeing, with like, a cloak the, on. But we do get that cool, uh, like, I mean, I've never seen, I've never seen... So somebody smoke as many cigarettes because they have to keep on finding ways to get him not 
in the corn maze. Yeah. So he has to go out that like <laughs> that like he's always like just always is taking a cigarette break. Like when is he ever in there? Which also does not fit in with the character at all that they set no. up as this no. kind of like nerdy nice kid. But he's constantly smoking cigarettes. Like, like and then, <laughs> then the kids who you think would smoke cigarettes are not. No, and like, it's I, so it's so weird. It's just also weird to see a kid like because again, you're right. Like, like he's not as young as some of the youngest kids, but like he is definitely young. To see a young kid smoking cigarettes is also just like, and a lot of them like you. You're this is not right. This this. It, something was wrong here. This is not good. Oh, yeah. And he's also like, I cannot confirm how, what his actual age is. Because, like, all these kids look young. Um, but he also has the kind of, like, he's just, seems like his proportions are, like, helping him get these, like, youthful roles. Um, yes. Where, like, you know, he's going he's gonna to be one of these guys who uh, grows up and looks like, like a middle-aged 12-year-old a little bit. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, they have that, like, that look. And it's like they were, like, the perfect 12-year-old, but then that's about... Yeah, kind of handsome. Handsome at 12. Yes. And then, like, and then again, like, well, you'll see you'll see about it on the, the bottom page of some website of, like, what happened to Jason Elman. Oh, my God. Uh, the script was written by uh, a guy named um, David Edgett, and uh, he... He did some TV work, more TV work than movie work. He wrote the short-lived sitcom Tacklebox, which was... Oh, uh, I love Tacklebox. Yeah, it was like three seasons. should have been more. It was pretty good. Um, it was like set in a bait shop. I watched it for the first time on Nick at Night because he used to play that uh, in different strokes back-to-back. It was like the fun. Like that. Like Tacklebox to me, like I just wanted that fish. I, I wanted a fishing box. My dad got me like uh, a tackle box for Christmas. And I just put like cassette tapes in there. Like, but I didn't, I, I didn't want, I just wanted like I, to carry tackle box to school. Can I right. make my backpack a tackle box? Yeah. It, it like makes you, I'm curious how many actual fishermen got into it because of this show. Like there's probably a whole generation of uh, like kids who never went fishing, but like bought a fucking fishing vest. Um, yeah. <laughs> I kind of did the same. It's like thing, everybody right? wearing a fedora, like when you go to like you know you go to the Indiana Jones ride at like uh, in Walt Disney World or something. Like everyone wants to wear that Indiana Jones fedora, but no one looks good in it. No one looks good in a fishing vest. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks when you got to accept that. Like, I can't pull off a fedora. <laughs> I can't. I can't dress. I'd like, like to. Indiana Jones. Yeah, we all would like. Can't to. do it. You can't. Do you got to find your own thing. Same thing with the, um, it takes a lot of people time to realize that they can't dress like Marty McFly. Uh, um, like these are all things everybody has to like work out for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody kind of goes through phases of mild cosplay. Yes. And then they have to realize it doesn't work like that. Oh my God. And and I I, I gotta say, uh, it's so funny though, like how these shows like started to like creep in. Like, I feel like I knew stuff about fishing from that show uh you know and that and that to me is like the fun of that because I, I would watch it so intently i watch it over and over again like i knew i, I learned things about fish i knew things about fish from that show he died of uh an overdose sadly um oh, Jesus. like uh so his career got cut short a little bit and you can start to see some of the effects of 
the drug addiction in the final season of Tackle Box. Oh, I got to look at that. If you go on Wikipedia and look up like the episode synopsis, like synopses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets fucking like it. Because if a show, if it's like Mr. Ed or some shit, yeah, season 12, Mr. Ed joins the Dodgers or whatever. But this happened fucking season three of Tackle Box. One of the characters starts talking to the fish and like having fun and like, they get fucking some actor to like start voicing the fish and only one of the guys, and this is a live action TV show. It's, yes, this is not, not yes. it wasn't commonplace. For, it's not a satire of t- TV shows. Like it was done for real. But it, this is like the whole thing. I was watching Goonies with my kid the other day and I forget like oh, there's wow. a moment in that movie when like they try to put Chunk's hand into a blender. Like they would yeah, do crazy. shit like that. Like, you know, Arnold gets molested or, or almost, Dudley gets molested. Arnold escapes molestation, but they're watching like a pornographic cartoon on different strokes. It's like back in the day, like they would do these storylines where like, and I think, I don't know if they're playing into it or whatever. Cause I always thought that, that drug storyline was just a character. Now you're saying that that actually was him. I thought that was him acting. No, oh my God. that was going on. I feel like any other performances from toxic tunnel or kills. I feel like we didn't fully get into the kills. For me, one of the adult kills that was a little bit more uh, tragic was the was the pretzel lady. Oh, um, who was the most dubbed over? But so great. like clearly some connect. Like she she's clearly Italian and like has some connection to the producer who's just like putting in somebody. But she is like kind of very the the only person very friendly to the kids working there. She works the pretzel booth. She's kind of hooking them up with good advice. And that pretzel, I mean, I guess those pretzels did look delicious. Very big. I mean, like, I feel like I don't know if that was just like the the prop people going like, we got to make the pretzels bigger so people like, are pretzels too small? I don't know why they were obsessed with like the, how big they were. They're huge. And, and I have to think that someone in that town made those pretzels because like they do look too good and they're like yeah. too much of a novelty. And it's yes. like, but also like they have nothing to do with anything at that. They're not like, but they get into the details of it, like how she made it, and it's a grandma's. It's like, I, why, why am I hearing this red thing about this? Yeah, I bet you you're right. I bet you it's like the pickle festival, and they, that pretzel yeah. stand was probably there. And she's like, you can use my pretzel stand if you just you know, talk about how good my pretzels are or whatever it was. Because there, it, it does feel like we're watching like an ad. It's like a weird little plug for something that is a localized business. Like it's like, okay, sure. Uh, yeah, thank you for. I mean, now look, I'm gonna go Google it and see if I can find like is I that still there? Some of those pretzels. Okay, I'd go get one of those pretzels. It's like almost like turkey legs took off from those pretzels. One of these mutants grabs a pretzel, just so, sort of like because they're again they're they're like kind of these drunks that kind of like mm-hmm. can't move around. Knocks like grabs like a pretzel off the counter and knocks some of them off, and she's like, "Young man, young man," and again, it's all dubbed and fucking crazy. Yes. And so, so she leaves the booth, big mistake. And then another mutant comes around and like bites her nose off. I, this is what I was telling you. I had the same death in Piranha that was cut out. My nose was bitten off by a piranha in Piranha. And, it's, and it didn't make it to the film because they ran out of money to do the special effects. But that was like when you see, I don't even know if there's that many veins in the nose, but when that mm-hmm. nose is ripped and you can see like, whatever that side angle is where like it almost looks like um like a mozzarella stick like it has that yeah. kind of like texture to it where it's like and it's like blood and this is the thing i think he's known for that squirt blood it's like the blood is always pulsing out like 
mm-hmm. intensely in this movie. I, I don't know if the listeners know anything about Tom Savini, but he was in Vietnam. Yes. A lot of people think like maybe that has something to do with his sense of gore and all the anatomy kind of works. The, Tom Savini, this is not. We do no, not no. have silly putty in our noses that like gets like all the crap that comes out of her face and the blood that squirts. I don't think it's anatomically correct. It's as if like your nose is the centerpiece of your entire body. It feels like, cause like when they're pulling those, it's like, it's almost like that magic trick where you pull like a handkerchief out of your mouth or it's like just pulling the shit out of her fucking face and her face like goes in as if like the, bo- like there's no bones. It's like they like deflated her face. It's so, again, the gore in this, while probably, you're right, not anatomically correct, is very effective. I mean, it is gross. Let's uh, let's let's wrap it up here and just talk about... Yes. I, I, let's end on a positive note. Who was yeah. your favorite performance, would you say? Which of the characters? Was it Danny, the kid? Uh, we pudge, we didn't really get into... Oh, I got to talk about Kurt. I got to talk about Kurt. Kurt is my, Kurt is my favorite. Uh, and it's a small, it's a small, like little role right at the end where, you know, it, like where I'm he says this line, because this, this is like, the, like, and this is the, I guess this is why they make the sequel though too. Kurt at the end, we don't mm. ever meet Kurt. He seems like he's a part of another, I, I don't know if he's a part of the police force or whatever he does, like, but he shows up and he goes, every goddamn Halloween. <laughs> Like, wait, this happens every night. Like, like, like that's wait, how it ends. What the fuck is this town? Like, he's also unfazed by it. Yeah. And this guy was clearly like the coolest guy that somebody knew and was like, hey, can you can you like be in this movie? And and he's making a meal out of it. I'm sure he's like an Italian film star, like Italian Kurt Russell. I mean, it's like, but it's like you come in and you're like, again, the deaths are amazing or whatever. They're crazy. The killing of kids is nuts, but then like to have this like everyone is unfazed. It's like so. I guess in my mind, this is a town where fucking shit's going on all the time at this military base, and it's like, oh, this yeah. year is fog. Next, there's thing. some military. There's some secret military base. It's yeah. It's like, um, have you ever seen uh, what is the movie Strange Behavior? It's a little bit yes. Like that, where there's- there's just like a secret experimental factory right next door. And this guy sees it all. He flicks his toothpick just in the middle of it. Like, like there's not, not even yeah. trying to act like it's a cr- crime scene of any. Yeah. Like he's saying, I hate Mondays. How about you? Who's your favorite? For me, I mean, I, I guess I want to like, because we didn't really talk about Pudge, the fat kid. Oh, like yeah. We yes, talk about him yes. now. I, I do want to say, like, he didn't, because he dies fairly quickly. Yes. But early on, I mean, it's kind of fucked up. His buddy talks him into getting this job. Like, where yes. that's where we get the, like, uh, if scaring means caring moment. But yes. he's playing the other side of it. And I think part of the reason why that monologue is so good is because he's there and they do the thing where he's got a pet rat. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, this pet rat on the fucking school bus. Because oh I think this God. was like a shit. This was like a was cheap like way to like make yes. people like like okay, he's a good like simpleton or something. Oh my like gosh. he's got a pet. He's got he's friendly. Oh, to like men, kind of like that. We need a little. Oh God, it's so it's oh, that moment that it again just creepy weird. I don't know why, but I'm all, like again. I like, but I like him. I like him. 
I like them. I, I, I knew you would, you would have fun watching this. This is awesome. I really appreciate this. And, um, and I'm going to think about it every time I go to a, a haunted maze. I, I'm not I, going, I, I'm not I, doing it. I'm not, I, I wanted this. This is like, I was like, it's, but the way that they present it, it's like, you realize like, okay, yeah, if that was to happen, children would die. And I think as now as a parent, like, I'm like, I can't, I can't. I can't go there. Yeah, that's it's tough with the. Um, I didn't even think of that with like parenting. It, it becomes as more and more of your friends have kids. It, like you realize how many storylines involve like dead children. Oh, and it, yeah, it, it becomes rough. To, to become a problem. Oh my god. Okay, well, I know a, a one that doesn't involve dead children. It just involves a dead caveman. My brother's cave. If I can ever track it down, we'll get you back on Please, the show. I would love and, uh, that. We'll check it out, or at the very maybe not even record it. We'll just we'll just watch it and, and for enjoyment. I cannot wait. I love it. Thank you for uh, letting me sit in. I can't wait to hear these. I just love that you are finally letting people like into this world that I feel like has been so kind of closed off because like you were the guy to go to. You had these movies. You always had these movies, and I'm just I'm just thrilled to be here. This is awesome. Tapes rewinding. I'm driving back home. That's this week's show. Big thank you to Paul Shear. The Raj Tapes is edited by Brian Holmes. And our theme song is by Brett Morris. Thanks for taking this journey with us. I'll see you on the road.